This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. So, uh, the summer special. So this is the fourth in the series of the summer special. I want to talk about a subject today that, for me, I think is foundational. Um, there are different views on this particular subject and uh, as we as I go through I'll share with you why I take this particular approach and view Um, but depending on how you see this subject uh, will affect your prayer life it will affect the way in which you see evangelism it will affect the way in which you pray about evangelism it will affect the way in which you seek God's purpose for your life how you interpret obstacles to fulfilling the will of God in your life uh, it affects every aspect, I think, of your Christian walk. Okay, so what's the subject then, David? It's the sovereignty of God. So when I mention that subject, most people just glaze over. Oh, the sovereignty of God. Okay, wake, wake me when he's finished, all right? <laughs> turn, in, turn into your neighbor. So, what, so what, what do I really mean by the sovereignty of God? So there's a, a, dictionary, uh, a dictionary definition of, a dictionary of theology defined it in this way. God's sovereignty is a twofold concept. First, it may be seen as the divine right to rule totally. Second, it may be extended to include God's exercise of this right. So let me say that again. So first of all, it's God's divine right to rule totally. And I don't think anybody has any disagreement on that subject whatsoever. We all, all Christians agree, yep, absolutely, it's God's divine right to rule. Where we start to see differences of opinion is on how far God's exercise of that right is extended. Or to put it another way, does the will of God always happen? Does the will of God always happen? And if I tread on a few corns this morning, I do apologize, honestly. Okay, so I want to look at three areas, basically, in relation to the will of God. I want to look at salvation, I want to look at ministry and guidance, and I want to look at healing. So let's start with salvation. So first of all, it is God's will for all men to be saved, okay? Um, Hopefully we can all agree on that. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, God's word is clearly saying to us in Peter's writings here that it is God's will, his will, that everybody should be saved. All right? That's his will. Everybody should be saved. Now, uh, plainly, we don't see that. That's not our our experience, okay? And I'm sure we can recount people that we know that never made that choice. Um, Jesus 
talks about this in Matthew's Gospel. It, it, this scripture is cited elsewhere as well, but this one's from Matthew 7. Uh, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. So Jesus is saying himself that many people will reject the gospel. I just think it's incredible. We were just actually praying about this a little bit earlier. How, you know, we've chosen life. (laughs) And we say to our friends, please choose life. Please choose Jesus. Um, Sometimes we need to shake our friends, don't we? I once heard somebody say the spirit of slap came all over him. (laughs) Come to your senses. You're heading to destruction. It's hell down there. Okay? Please, please, please give over your heart to Jesus. Okay, so why is it then? So why, why is it that we see um, not everybody getting saved? Although it's the will of God for all men to be saved, we don't see everybody getting saved. Um, and that's because we have free choice. I personally believe it's because we have free choice and we make a choice. We choose. We can choose life or we can choose death. And God will honor our choice. He doesn't want us to. But he honors it, which is incredible, isn't it? He will not override your will. Okay. Now, okay, so now there's some friends. uh, No, not there's some friends will say to me, hang on a minute, Dave. Um, Isn't it predestined for you to be saved? Okay. Um, Okay, let me just think about it. And it's okay. It's predestined for me to be saved. Uh, Okay, so let's have a look at one of those scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So you see, Brother Dave, it says that we're predestined to adoption. Okay, I get you. I hear you. Okay, let's just live with that thought for a minute or two. So if it's predestined for people to become Christians, where does that leave evangelism? What's the the point in evangelism? If it's predestined for people to become Christians, why do I need to pray? And in fact, it says elsewhere, it says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who would believe. So we can pray very specifically. So there's a pastor I had many years ago, John, John his name was John Griffiths. Um, and he used to talk about truth intention. And what he meant was there's two concepts or ideas in Scripture that would seem to contradict but can't because both are true. So he used to liken these truths intention to a railway track. They need to somehow run together. <laughs> and, and to pick one or to pick other, you go overboard. <laughs> uh, so my understanding is that God in his foreknowledge knows how we would choose. Okay? So God knows because he knows all things. He's all-knowing. He's, uh, he knows how I will choose. He knows that I will choose him. He will know who, who chose him in this room, who's choosing him online, and who will choose him before he returns or before they meet their maker. So, 
In, in that sense, then, he knows the choice we're going to make. And that's where the predestination piece comes in. Uh, because if it wasn't free will, if we didn't have free will, what's the point? It's, it, what's the point? It's, we're a race of robots then. And, you know, God didn't need to create us in a sense. He, you know, he had a bunch of folk that would worship him, the angels. Why create us with free will? So, I appreciate that some lovely, lovely people I know will have a different view to me on this, but that's my personal view. That's what I'm teaching, and that's why I teach it that way. I agree. Amen. Thank you, sister. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, so, because people can choose, we need to pray, all right? <laughs> we, we need to share the gospel with people. We need to explain the consequences of, of their decisions if they don't choose Jesus. Um, it's not a party. You know, I've said this before. I said to somebody once, well, it's all right, I might go in hell. I'll, I'll party with my mates. I said, you won't be able to see your mates. All right? There's sulfur burns with a very dark smoke, and you won't be able to see through it. Okay, some, sometimes people need a slap <laughs> to catch their attention, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, okay? A <clears throat> piece of two by two. Yeah. Is it just me? <laughs> okay. Uh, and as I said before, that it says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who would believe. So we can pray very specifically uh, against the enemy, against Satan and his cohorts trying to blind people's eyes. And we can just pray, Lord, help them to see the truth that's in your word. Help them to see the truth and the reality of what you've done. Okay, ministry and guidance. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, on Facebook, I think it was, Lydia reminded us uh, that we all have a ministry. And I think the passage was Ephesians 2. So that's the one I've picked anyway. Uh, so Ephesians 2.10. Uh, For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. <sighs> created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? We should walk in them. Okay? You don't have to. Okay? You don't have to because you have free will. Okay? You're saved. You love Jesus. God's prepared all this stuff for you to do. You don't have to walk in them. It says we should walk in them. So as Christians, as God's people, uh, we have a responsibility before God to find out what it is that he wants us to do. What's our part in the body of Christ? And to walk in that. Um, and if you don't play your part, the body misses out. Okay, I've talked about my, my dad. Uh, he loved Jesus. Uh, he became a Christian quite late in life. And, uh, but he always had a hang-up with church. And the reason was, I think, was offence, basically. He'd taken offence. Um, and a gate. And a gate. That's right. And the garden that was behind it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with him one time, and I said, Dad, you've got gifts for the body of Christ, and you are depriving other Christians of your giftings. Um, but unfortunately, I never persuaded him. Um, a prophet is not without honor except in his own house. Right? 
Yeah, praise God. <laughs> okay, so uh, works that we should walk in them. So we have responsibility to work out what it is God uh, wants us to do. So let's say we've determined God's will for our lives. Uh, we're trying to, to walk in some ministry or some gifting. And we experience uh, opposition. Uh, an example is from the life of Paul, which I have here. Acts chapter 16. So uh, Paul is working out where to carry on his ministry and his mission. Um, and they wanted to go into Asia. Uh, but it says the Holy Spirit prevented them from going, going into Asia. Uh, and then Paul has this vision, basically, in Acts 16, verse 9. And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I always find it interesting why the, the, the tense changes here to we, because of course the book of Acts was written by Luke, and Luke was a traveling companion of Paul for a while. So Luke wrote gospel, the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And I don't. Sometimes I wonder: Was Luke from Macedonia? Was it? Was it Paul dreamt of Luke? I don't know. But anyway, what it what it says is that. Paul had this vision. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Um, and they, he concluded that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, reminder of the story. So they go over to Macedonia um, and they end up in Philippi, which was a major city of Macedonia. Um, they're in Philippi. Uh, some stuff happens. And they end up, Paul and Silas get thrown into prison. Now, if Silas was from a different school of theology in the Christian world, Silas might have been saying, you got it wrong, Paul. If God wanted us to do this, we would not now be in prison. Okay, plainly, I thought you'd laugh at that point. Maybe it's far too serious, Dave. <laughs> Can you imagine, Silas basically, if you interpret events going on around you as always the will of God and you end up in prison after preaching the gospel you could then think well I shouldn't be in prison so I must be I, you know, that call to preach here must be wrong basically I can't have heard you right God but of course he had so when difficult things happen when we find resistance to our ministry when we're walking the, the wrong way along the, the conveyor belt uh, it's because it's opposition to what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. Not necessarily that we're completely out of the will of God. So, there's a spiritual mad dog loose, all right, who's called Satan, and he does not want God's will fulfilled in people's lives. He does not want people saved. He wants hell full and heaven empty. And, uh, yeah, don't go that day. <laughs> okay. So, yes, yeah, so we have a responsibility before God to understand his will and to walk in it, that we should walk. And when we meet resistance in our ministry or any realm of our Christian experience, don't automatically assume you've not heard God. Okay? Check, check it out. Lord, have I heard you? 
even ask confirmation, just confirm it again to me, Lord. And I'll walk in this. Okay, finally, I just want to look at healing. Now, uh, when I refer to healing, I'm not talking about spiritual healing, if you like. What, what I'm talking about is physical, mental, emotional well-being. And uh, Sue, at the beginning of the month, gave us uh, a message on the communion. And as part of that message, she talked about uh, the suffering that Jesus went through physically before he went to the cross or as part of going to the cross. And he experiences beating, the torture, uh, the the, 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 the whipping, all, all that, the humiliation. And she reminded us that uh, the Jewish sacrifices in the Old Testament, the sacrifices which are a picture of Jesus on the cross, never experienced torture. Okay? In fact, they were killed in such a way as to experience no pain. So what was different about Jesus' death than all these other sacrifices. And Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy. And in Isaiah 53, it speaks of the suffering that Jesus would go through. And it speaks of that being for physical well-being, physical and mental well-being. And uh, the Apostle Peter says this in uh, 1 Peter. He says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes, yea, were, or you were healed. You were healed. So Peter is clearly saying this passage, Isaiah 53, is fulfilled in Jesus going to the cross. Okay, so, so we now have a legal right to be well. Okay? It is God's will is health. Okay? Now, some people really struggle with that for a whole bunch of reasons. Okay? <laughs> but if we just pause for a minute or two, we must believe that's true. Okay? We must believe that it's God's desire for us to be well. Because if you genuinely thought it was God's will for you to be sick, why go to the doctor? Okay? I mean, why involve the doctor in fighting God? If you really, really, really thought sickness was from God, okay? But instinctively, we know that's not true, okay? So we've been sold a lie by religion. We've been sold a lie by religion. <sighs> Got another passage here from Galatians. Uh, Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So what's that talking about? So in Deuteronomy 28, there's 68 verses of scripture in Deuteronomy 28. And it describes blessings that come through obedience to the law under the old covenant. And it describes curses that come through disobedience to the law under the old covenant. Okay, so in the mind of an Old Testament believer... If you were sick, it's because there was sin in your life. And you see that in some of the encounters that Jesus had with people and the way they talked with him. Um, but what this passage is, is saying for us as New Testament believers is Jesus took that curse. All that curse that came through disobedience 
went on Jesus. That's astonishing. So you uh, go read it. <laughs> go read it this afternoon, okay? It's about the first 12 or 14 verses is the blessing. The rest, that's verse whatever it is, 12 or 14, through to 68 is the curses. It's an endless list. All right? Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we must have an expectation of good in terms of health. Well, what about, what about, what about? I know what about, what about, what about, okay? I've had people that have died in front of me, okay, that I've prayed for, okay? And I tried raising them from the dead and they didn't get raised, okay? There's lots of what about. God's word says that has to be our expectation and we rejoice when that's our reality, okay? But that's God's desire for us. That's God's will for his people. But there's stuff going on, isn't there? Okay, one of the things that's going on, uh, Acts 10, let's just have a look at this. So uh, Paul is talking about the, the, the ministry of Jesus. Uh, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So, he was healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He was healing all that were oppressed by the devil. He was healing all that were oppressed by the devil. So there's a couple of things there. One is he was healing all. He was healing all. And they were oppressed by the devil. So, praise God, we have some clues then for us. As New Testament believers, we have some ways in which we can move forward. Uh, so if, if our problems are coming from the devil, then we know what to do, don't we? So one is to stand in the authority that's ours in Jesus. Okay, and that's use the name of Jesus. So we can speak the name. So we can speak to the mountain. We can say, mountain, be removed. Okay. Uh, we can uh, also do this um, from James chapter 4. Uh, it's also uh, Mark talked about the anointing with oil. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders. Uh, for me, I find what James wrote astonishing. Because if you say in a Christian church today, is any sick among you? Most people would put their hands up. But James is writing it as if it's quite an unusual event. Is any sick among you? If by some slim chance someone is sick among you, let him call for the elders. So, so there's so much for us to rediscover, I believe, as God's people. Um, and we see glimpses of it. We see glimpses of it. James 4. So this isn't that particular passage. This is a different part of James. But uh, Therefore, he, thought, he says, uh, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if sickness is of the devil, there's a pattern for us. Okay? 
Submit to God. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil. And resist isn't a passive thing. It's an active thing. So it, it literally means to set oneself against. And he will flee from you. He will flee from you. He will flee from you. Hallelujah. So does the spiritual mad dog loose. So is it God's will to heal? Absolutely, it is. And that's why we go to the doctor. That's why we do anything we can to, to get well. Um, and we have a legal right to be well. It's part of the atonement. And when we break bread, as Sue said to us, um, you know, the, 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 the bread that we break is a picture of Jesus' body being broken for us. And that's all to do with physical healing. And the blood is to do with uh, redemption. Uh, okay, cool. So, summarizing. Um, so when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he, he taught them something quite strange. So if, if you're of the view that God's will always occurs, it's something that's very odd to pray. Um, and if we look at Matthew chapter 6, it says this, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if God's will always happened, why do we pray that? So that's my challenge to us all today. Okay, My challenge to us all today is to pray every day his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will be done in your life and in the life of your family. His will be done in the lives of those around you and those that you love and that love you. His will be done as it is in heaven. So, in terms of salvation, in terms of our ministry and our giftings, in terms of healing, we can see now how we need to pray. We need to pray against the enemy. We need to pray God's will be done in a situation. We need to actually get up and witness to people. We need to seek ways to, to share the love of the gospel with those around us. And we need to touch lives for Jesus. Because we are his body. Okay, If we don't do it, there's not somebody else who's going to do it. Okay, We're, we're, we're the, his visible expression on earth. Hallelujah. Praise God. So anyway, I, I hope I've not trodden on too many corns today and uh, uh, given us something to think about. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank and praise you that your will is your word. Uh, Lord, help each one of us to act on uh, what it is you're saying to us personally. Uh, Lord, uh, maybe... Uh, but to get involved in something in the church that we've not done before. Maybe it's to seek you for a particular gifting in our ministry, Lord. Maybe we're to change the way we pray about a, a person that we know that's sick. Uh, maybe it's to, to share the gospel with a neighbor or to just share something of your love and what you've done in our lives with a neighbor. Lord, whatever it happens to be, Lord, I just uh, would... Just pray for every person that we would just walk in what you're asking us to do at this point in time. And Lord, may your will be done in every life here. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. Praise your wonderful name.